Everybody, 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 drop your buff. Stop, 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 Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. I try and match your cadence. I know you do. You said this last week. Oh. <sighs> what else is new? <laughs> Me forgetting something I said. <laughs> we are talking episode 10 of Survivor 45, How Am I the Mobster? And a lot of lies going on in this episode. Everyone's practicing lies, their lies. A lot of tears. A lot of tears. Everyone's very emotional. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I have to say, though, before we get started, I only watched once, and I try and watch twice before this, So, and, and obviously we're recording days later, so pardon the more, I was going to say pardon the brain fog, but that's probably not unusual, pardon the more than usual brain fog. Yeah, I also only watched once, and I really intended to watch uh, again this morning, but I was a little hungover, and didn't have the stomach for it. Mm -hmm. So, um, <laughs> but I have my notes, so I'm not too worried. But we have lost Bruce once and for all. I think Katora, uh, there's a great moment at Tribal Council where, you know, the final vote is read for Bruce and Katora smiles from ear to ear. But I don't know how this is going to work out for Katora. Yeah, but I think she'll be okay. Okay. Interesting. There's a tweet going around, which I can't help but like put my conspiracy theorist brain on alongside this tweet, which is to say that I think if I had to put my money down, it'll be an Emily, Katora, Jake final three. Really? Yeah. So and you think this is not going to be the pagonging that everybody is talking about? First of all, everybody talking about anything in the Survivor first is never going to be like <laughs> piquing my interest. The more people are talking about it, the more I'm like, run, don't walk, um, away. Right. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, someone was saying on, on Twitter that uh, the first three shots of the season, excuse me, the first three confessionals come from Emily, Jake, and Katora, apparently, um, and that, you know, they were reading into that as a sign. Obviously, like, probably not, but I just like the reality of like that. So maybe mm. I'm like alongside this tweeter willing that into existence. Yeah, that's a really specific conspiracy theory that we have going. Well, because, welcome like, to the world of con survivor conspiracy theorists. <laughs> I just don't think that... I don't think that the first confessionals... Uh, well, I mean, I'd, I'd have to go back and look, but well, I don't no, think Well, no, because, any... like, I mean, they don't always... They they certainly matter. I'm not sure if they always dictate endgame, but, like, yeah. they're thoughtful about those things. They're not putting the first boot as the first confessional. Uh, Maybe. I, I mean, I'm not looking to run statistics here, but just in no. my mind. <laughs> I don't have the statistics, so in I'm, my I'm mind, arguing a point that I don't um, have any uh, I would love to, to see that final three. But I got to say, d did you see some of the reaction online to Bruce's exit? I guess particularly when I say some of, I'm referring to Maddie, uh, Maddie from season 44, her tweets about Bruce. Uh, I just saw that she loves Bruce. She loves Yeah, she loves Bruce. Bruce. She loves Bruce like the way you love Alanis, the way I love SMG. That's how it felt in reading that tweet. Cause like it was a two, two thread tweet. Um, like she is down bad, but good for Bruce. Yeah. Well, she said that she talks to Bruce on the phone every week. Wow. Imagine that. You know, I have to believe this is an instance of like, I, I have to imagine that there's a ver there's a Bruce that exists that like was not present on this show. Totally. And that's not a criticism of Bruce or the editors. I, sometimes like the show just can't contain a person. Yeah. Um, but this sort of, I, I always sort of come back to the parvity of um, Cook Islands, which is to say that like, sometimes you just don't see the potential. And in Parvati's case, she was afforded the opportunity to, to give more. And you could argue, well, Bruce was afforded the opportunity with this second go round. But still, I just, I, I get the sense that like, I'm surprised to hear that Maddie talks to Bruce on the phone every week, but I'm sure if I knew Bruce the way Maddie knows Bruce, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I doubt we'll be given the opportunity on television to get to know Bruce more. Um, but I certainly think he was 
an enjoyable character. He mm-hmm. definitely sort of like rose and fell in starlessness. Mm-hmm. Um, but there there was a wave, right? And some people haven't yeah. even taken off. Um, <laughs> and, and and so I, I don't think he went out in like in a big way. And I think he sort of was playing from the back from most of the game and wasn't able to get his footing. But you could say, well, so is Jake. And Jake's yeah. managing to sort of... Uh, go week to week. I think if anything, I would have been really curious uh, t- to see Bruce uh, win uh, the, his third immunity straight and see how that would have shaken out for you know the future of the game. Yeah, what do you make of this whole plan, this, this Emily plan that she tells Bruce of like, let's blindside Julie. I mean, Emily, it seems, never bought into this plan. It was always a lie. Mm-hmm. But the big conversation I've seen online is that it was the wrong move for Emily to you know, continue to work with the Rebas and vote Bruce out. What she should have done was follow through on this fake plan that she invented to lull Bruce into the false sense of security to not play his idol um, of actually getting out Julie. So I've now seen like the progression of that conversation yeah, move to around. right, which is now it's like actually no Emily because <clears throat> I, I did see exactly what you're talking about. I'm now seeing no Emily did make the right move, and here's why. And what I've heard as the here's why is predominantly that when she had her girls' day out, um, which we'll get to uh-huh. during the girls' day out, when Katora presented the information about Bruce to the other women, apparently there's a shot of Emily's face that you can see, basically indicating the fact that in that moment Emily realized that despite her desire to move forward in the game with the outcasts, Katora's loyalty, her excuse me, her lack of loyalty with Bruce mm. would make it such that they would not be able to form a strong enough counterattack. Um, there's too many sort of swinging parts at play to make that viable for her. And so Emily, and I think smartly so, is relying on the fact that there can be some cracks in the Reba 4, um, which certainly makes sense. As I pointed out last week, we have yet to see Julie and Austin, for instance, strategizing in any way. This does not seem like a four so much as it seems like various amalgamations of twos yeah that's a really good point and i feel like they they have tried to float each other's names like in the very slightest of ways and often it's you know when they're talking to somebody outside of the alliance or emily who's sort of like at the seem seemingly at the bottom of that alliance um and they seem to have like very lightly entertained the idea and I feel like Emily may be reading into that just like wait till the right time, right place, right time, um, and it'll happen. And she's just sort of biding her time patiently because, like you said, I, this ragtag group of people are just never going to be able to pull it together. Uh, yeah. And they, they never have. And so, like, if there's no evidence that these people can work together, then why would Emily leave this really comfortable spot that she's in where she knows at least she'll have like, a couple more rounds to stay uh, until sh- until that opportunity presents itself for like a D blindside or a Julie blindside. Right. And also, let's say Emily ends up going to the end with two Rebas. There's also the possibility of them being perceived as playing the same game. Yes. And Emily really has such a strong argument to differentiate herself from the outset of the game, playing from the bottom, etc. So I think Emily is in a great spot but I don't think it's unusual to think that. So again, I think as survivor opinions tend to form, it's like the initial like uh, consensus seems to be Emily made the wrong decision. I would say like from from my take of what, of my you know sphere of social media, I feel like people have come around to the fact that no, Emily did make the best decision for herself. Um, yeah. I don't know if we're. I, I mean, so I do want to retire Star or Starless for the season if that's okay. I you think do? like it's well. I just feel like it's not. There's not enough machinations happening to make it like continue to be interesting. I don't have like. Okay. I just I don't really have like change ups in my thought. But to, to reference, you know, our controversial game, um, I just I I still am not seeing like star in Emily. But I I, I definitely like I, I I I'm wondering if we come at the end of the season and play like the overall star mm. or star list for the person for the season. I'm wondering right now, genuinely wondering, like, is Emily is is the star going to emerge come the eleventh hour? Well, it's so interesting you say this because I was watching this episode and I was so excited to be like, Emily Star is back. Huh. I think Emily was a star this episode. She was okay, such a I mean, star. I mean, her winning the immunity in the face that she made when she won the immunity. The reward. Excuse me. Sorry, yeah. rather. Yes, the reward. Um, certainly. Um, 
I think there's a strong argument to be made for her starness, star quality. Yeah. Her rising. Um, yeah. For me, it still feels like it's in the rising category more than star. Okay. But I say that with the recognition that, like, I think you giving her a star would be in the majority from those watching. And there is a part of me that's like, Evan, are you just having a bad attitude because you often have a bad attitude. <laughs> and I, I genuinely wonder that. So I think um, I'm willing to like uh, tip her into star, I guess then, but if, if we're talking about the rest of the people, the only person whose position I see like sort of shifting is Julie. Yeah. Cause we just got a lot more focus on Julie. Yeah. I still don't think it rose to like a star quality perspective, but I think we remain really flatlined when it comes to D, when it comes to Austin, when it comes to Bruce. Couture is the one that we can really touch down on. I don't think it's a conversation of starlessness versus starness. Like I don't think that's mm -hmm. the conversation, but there's certainly a lot to discuss with regards to Couture and she's certainly like, is emerging um, mm -hmm. from a character development perspective. But again, that's more the editing than it is Katora in my sure. opinion. Sure. Well, so much of the star of Starless is based on the editing. You're right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. And sure. I would say, okay, there's a couple things I wanted to, to touch Sorry. back on. <laughs> um, well, Wait, I but do you want to play Star of Starless? Well, we don't have to. I don't want to take a game away. That it's like if you, this is a, we're a okay, democracy. Some people, some people have been hoping that it, the, the full cast list Star of Starless would come back. So I thought maybe we'd play it. Okay. Okay, let's but, finish but before, your thoughts first. Before we yeah. do that, uh, going back to this like Emily move, I feel like the the blind side on Julie is what Emily should have done if she was making TV, mm -hmm. right? Um, that would have been the better TV moment, but it's not better for Emily's game mm -hmm. uh, for all the reasons that we've already said. And then um, when it comes to, I was just listening to Know-It-Alls and Stephen Fishback made this great comparison about what you're saying is like, he was talking about this idea of like going to the final three and uh, that Emily's playing this game of sort of like Sandra in Heroes versus Villains, right? Of like, we're watching her go to everybody and be very truthful, giving them the heads up about tribal council if they're going home. Like she's working the jury really hard uh, mm -hmm. while still in the game. And she seems to be doing that successfully. And so if she is sitting against two Rebas in the final, very similar to the setup that Sandra had, where she's sitting next to Russell and Parvati, who have basically played the same game, have turned people off. I mean, nobody likes these Reba, this Reba alliances, that they're just like steamrolling. Um, not that they don't like them personally, but that they're just right. up against that kind uh, of incredible game. odds with them. And so if you have Emily in the end there, like, yeah, she was playing alongside them, but I think she can make uh, an argument to say that she was outside of that uh, alliance in some way, or like at least the bottom, playing from the bottom of that alliance, and then be able to also have had those like personal moments with people to give them heads up, like to, to humanize the game. And that could really play well for her, because I think that's what happened to Sandra in Heroes vs. Villains. Totally, totally. I would say, with that in mind then, is it necessarily the most exciting move for Emily to win, because there is this precedent with Sandra having done it, and having done it with a lot more panache and charisma mm -hmm, sure. than Emily that like d I, I don't think what like what you're saying doesn't seem unlikely at all but again it's like are we breaking new ground by way of like storytelling on this show uh no but we don't have to I don't think okay. we have to I think it can still be good yeah it's it's never gonna it's not gonna be heroes versus villains but no, but but it can it can break ground we can break ground in 2020 we could yeah we could but if this scenario were to play out, I wouldn't be like, oh, we've mm -hmm. already seen this story. It would be like, oh, my God, we're getting this story again from the best season of Survivor. Like, yeah, maybe it's not like as it maybe it hasn't reached those levels, but it's kind of exciting to see. Like, that is one of the great stories, of, you know, of all of Survivor is yeah. Sandra's win in Heroes versus Villains. So I, I would offer that up as a little prediction in on the Julie rising starness of Julie. I have to say this scene where she was crying about having lied to Kelly and Kendra and really struggling. I loved this because it was so old school survivor of like, you don't get players anymore being like upset at sort of like the morality of playing this game. And it probably happens. Like you are playing with human beings and like you're lying to them. Like you probably, they probably all still feel that internal conflict. Um, but to have this moment from Julie, I thought was very humanizing for her and just brought 
back an aspect that I loved about Old School Survivor that we don't need to like dwell on a whole lot. That's a story that's been told, um, but I feel like it's notably absent, especially in the new era where it's very game body. So mm-hmm. I really loved that scene of Julie and Drew, and then Drew starts crying out of nowhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> I um, that. In response to that though, I, I totally agree. But I also feel like I don't know Julie well enough from how she's been depicted on the show to feel some type of way about her having this mm. moral, uh, you know, um, la- you, uh, questioning the morality of the game, right? Like, uh, because she's been presented so little in the game, we have yet to see her as a fully fledged out character. It fe- it's a lot of like, everyone's like, Mama J, Mama J, Mama J. I'm, I'm not so familiar with Mama J. Yeah, well, we don't see that's that is a good point because there's a lot of the Mama J, and there was this conversation between Katura and Emily where Emily's snapping her fingers and saying, Your mama. Um, and she, they, you know, if Katura feels like she's calling Julie Mama J, I don't think we've seen any scene between Julie and Katura that's like Until, besides yeah. at the sanctuary um, where she's comforting her, but we don't get like camp scenes where. Julie is being mama and she must be because people are calling her that. But like, that's, there are, that those are like personal moments, very much similar to like Emily, you know, playing the jury game, um, you know, having these like personal connections with people. Julie must be having those personal connections with people. if They're calling her mama Jay. Um, and we're not seeing that. And I don't think that bodes well for Julie's game because surely if she was going to get to the end, as people are saying, well, if, you, if she gets to the end, who's not going to vote for mama Jay? Um, you know, either she's not getting to the end or that's not going to happen because otherwise I feel like we would be seeing the mama and not just hearing about it. Well, also the fact that the conversation was let's get out Julie who from a, you know, uh, uh, what do we call it? Viewer from a viewer perspective seems like why get rid of Julie when you can take out D or take out Austin or take out Drew. But that indicates to me the fact that they would gun for Mama J as the first person to take out from the Reba three, or excuse me, from the Reba four indicates that, yeah, I think she has more connections than we've been shown so far. All of this to highlight something I wanted to say that 90 minute survivor ain't it for me. Surprise, surprise. I just feel like at this point, the fact that we're having so many conversations 17 minutes into this episode about the things we haven't seen depicted Mm -hmm. on the show, the things we're being told but not shown, isn't the whole point of expanding the show that we would be able to dig deeper to get to know these people more. That does not feel that it's been the case. I, I, I like even Bruce again. His story felt so limited. And even Katora, we spoke about this. I think on the after show several weeks ago about her needing to go and make that five minute TikTok video explaining herself because she felt like she had only been shown in mm-hmm. every confessional talking about Bruce. There was no complexity, no layers to her. And I just don't think we've gotten a better show from the ninety minutes so far. Yeah, well, that's my big question about Katora is like her entire story has been, I don't like Bruce. Now that Bruce is gone, where's Katora going? Well, now she's, I don't like water. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Is this, yeah. are we, are we led to believe that this is the first time Katora has entered water? I'm so confused. I'm so confused it about this. It came out of nowhere. It came out of she nowhere. She has to have been in water. Yeah, they've been in water. They have been in water. And the, I, the, did, did they they did that big challenge. They did that big challenge where they like jump off the thing and smash the thing, and then they go on that. Remember Kendra like smashed her crotch on the on the balance right. beam. Like that was deep water. I was wondering because I was wondering. I was like, is this just the first challenge that's been in deep water? Because I get being afraid of deep water, but it's not because that cha- that challenge I'm talking about from like episode like. Uh, I don't know, three or four. That was in deep water. It's also so I don't know where this came survivor. from. You know, that's a, a yeah. critical component of the game. Well, lots and- of people have been scared of water, and I, like I, do- I don't hold that against Katora that she's scared of water, but I'm just confused about where it came from. I guess I wonder though, if you're scared of water, why are you signing up to go on Survivor? That well, feels like a a big yeah, barrier but, to entry. Yes, that, that is true. Like, it's inevitable that you're going to be in water. So I guess at the very least, wouldn't you try and... It's like one thing if it's like, I tried to conquer this fear before I came on the show. I thought I'd conquer it. Lo and behold, once I'm here, I'm terrified. Mm. Again, I think my issue... We can talk about the Katora thing now or we can or we can kick the ball down the field. But one issue I have is this is not about Katora. It's more about the storytelling. I was very confused 
from the editor's perspective of the story they were trying to present with Katora and how much they were trying to correlate the letter from her mom mm. to everything happening in the challenge. And I'm not sure how the editors wanted us, the viewer, to feel about all of that and whether we were supposed to believe that ev all of her reaction within the challenge, in fact, had nothing to do with the water. I saw that there was a tweet, it's probably Mike Bloom, but I, I apologize if, it's, if I'm miscrediting this, but um saying that like there are instances in which the the letter from family ends up you know having a negative effect on the person in terms of mm -hmm. taking their head out of the game and this being an instance of that so that was basically you know drawing this direct line between her reaction to the letter and her performance in the challenge if that is true and I don't know if it's true mm -hmm. I don't know where the editors wanted us to land on that and I feel like they needed to make a better and more clear decision even if it wasn't true that's what editors do is like they oftentimes mm -hmm. paint the story they want to tell I felt like they didn't fully paint the story here so I, I was left quite confused yeah well I, I just maybe maybe it is true that the letter correlates to the reaction at the challenge. I don't understand how that's the case. Um, and I don't expect Katura to like go into the details of her relationship with her mom, but like I just don't know I don't know based on the little that was said like what happened to there. And yeah. so if if that did indeed lead to her head being out of the game in the challenge, I don't get how yeah. um, like unless, like there's, there's water involved in that story. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I, like, I'm just not seeing the direct relation. Uh, what I needed, I think was that I needed more confessional time or follow up after the challenge from Katora to be like, this is what happened to me at the challenge. Here's the reaction I had either like wasn't expecting it or I was, I was expecting it. And I was scared the whole time that this was going to come up. Um, but like, here's why I'm afraid of water or like, here's how I felt out there. Like there just wasn't enough follow up for me for what could have been like that. It was a moment, right? Like it was, oh my God, like Katora is really having this like visceral reaction to being near the water. Um, and like what's happening here? I would have liked a little more follow up on that because Katora has had this like very two dimensional edit up until this episode, uh, just being like, I don't like Bruce. And so this was a great opportunity to show Katora who works very well on screen, like give us a little more Katora. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then one question that I had, and I'd be one, I'd be curious what you and, and our listeners think about this is like, do you think there's any moral gray area in the producers getting a letter from her mom? 100%. Because I have to sort of think that obviously they know the situation. I mean, casting knows everything, every possible element yeah. of, of the person coming on the show if I come into casting and, and I get on the show and I'm like, I'm not, I haven't spoken to my mother in a year. I don't think it's very kosher of the show to be like, okay, we're going to reach out to your mom and get this letter from her. They had to instigate that. It's not as though they're like fielding letters from the family. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that was a little weird, especially because just in terms of evening the playing field, it's like, Austin's hearing from his mom, who's like, or if he would have rather, I'm imagining yeah. the letter would have come from his mom, who's like his best friend. And it's just not, it's just not an even playing field and the argument can be made, well, Survivor's not meant to be fair. Sure, but that just felt a little like icky to me because mm -hmm. of what, what it seems happened to Katora, which is that like it threw her off her game and that is the fault of the producers um, for doing that in my mind. So I'm just wondering how people, I'd be curious if people want to like let us know. I guess I would be curious like, Am I, was that a thought, is that a thought a lot of people are having? You are not, you're nodding along, so I have to Some, imagine. So we, that was a question, you know, for those of you who are not patrons, and we do our weekly after show, so this is my little plug for the Patreon, uh, go check that out. And uh, every week on our Close Friends story on Instagram, I feel, uh, I solicit questions that we might address oh, in the after I show. Oh, I, not we. What? You said, I, not we. I'm just well, kidding, I'm just kidding, I do. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and uh that is a question we got like what like is it like off base for the producers to seek a letter from Katura's mom knowing the story which they must know and then I have sort of a behind the scenes question which is more so that I know from like past player interviews that when it comes to things like the family visit or videos from home that they used to do things like that that they ask the players for sort of a list, like three or four people that they would like to have something from, either like a, a personal visit or a video or, or a letter. And so 
did Katura list her mom as a potential individual to get some love from home from? Um, I don't see her doing that given the story that she told. And so, but I also think if Survivor like didn't have that contact information and sought it out knowing the story, mm. like that's fucked up to me. So I have, I'll put this out there. If anyone's listening, <clears throat> who might have more information. Yeah. I would be curious uh, to hear from anyone that has more information about this. Cause I do think it's a critical piece of the storytelling that's missing mm-hmm. that we could use some clarity on. Yeah. I, do you want to talk about probes in reaction to Katora now, or do you want to save I that for the after to. show? Okay. I think we should talk about it. Okay. I think it was a big moment. And I think that probes was trying to make a big moment. And Jeff Probst has been saying for the past I don't know, six or so years. Mm, don't check my math on that. Uh, that he, his favorite moment in all of Survivor history is when Sari in Game Changers, you know, the challenge is over and she crosses that balance beam just to prove it to herself that she can do it. That is Jeff's favorite moment in Survivor history, according to him, for many years, consistently. It felt to me... Like Jeff's little light, light bulb went off over his head and was like, I can recreate this moment. Katura's afraid of the water. And so I'm now going to bully her into jumping into the water, even though she doesn't have to. Like it felt like it felt like short of pushing her off the dock into the water. Like he really gave her no choice but to face this fear as some sort of like great triumphant moment which she did and like it seemed to go well and she had this like nice confessional of like i'm surrounded by you know my friends and tribe mates um but why did jeff like why jeff like why push her for that like it really felt like just trying to create the tv moment and again like we've already production has already fucked with katora this episode like maybe we can just bring her the boat but it made me wonder too, like in addition to the weirdness of what played out, like why did they keep this in the episode? Because for me, it's like, I could understand if, if what you're saying is true, Propes is trying to like instigate this moment. Sure, it clearly didn't land in this go round. So I would just be like, okay, like let's scrap that from the episode because like we tried to make a moment and unfortunately it didn't happen. The decision to then include it in the episode is like sort of like, again, what is the story you're trying to tell of Katora? Because is the story that, like, like Sari, she's conquering a fear? Is the story that, in spite of her feelings and, and being in the game, these these tribe mates of her, even if they're not working with her competitively, they feel for her on a human level? Because that was very much the story of Sari, right? In addition mm-hmm. to conquering the fear was this idea that, like, the game sort of dropped out for a second mm-hmm. and the humanity, you know, from, from her fellow competitors came out. That didn't seem to happen here. Um, it was just, yeah, there was just so much about this moment that felt like it was, like, trying to go to a place and it just fail to and i don't know if that's um what's the word a referendum on the editing the new era i i, I there's something here right but i i don't fully know the conclusion just yet but like this was a big uh, uh spring and a miss is that what they say uh <laughs> a swing and a miss swing would you call it a spring a spring okay right. well yeah it's the altitude <laughs> that that was a swing and a miss. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that looking at this episode holistically, it feels like there was seeds of a really great Katora story where it's like she's in this ragtag group of people that's not in the Alliance. She's laser focused on getting Bruce out. She has been for a long time. She gets pulled away to the sanctuary. Real life sinks in. She gets this letter from her mom. Um, she is comforted by Julie, who is in this majority alliance. They are working against each other in the game to some degree, uh, at least from our perspective. Then she goes to this challenge. She has this tough moment at the challenge. And so she's just kind of like constantly on the bottom, like both of the game, but also like emotionally after the sanctuary at the challenge. And then I feel like, you know, Jeff forcing her into the water and she did like, there is that I I actually would push back a little. I think there was that moment of like the tribe coming together and like really supporting her, but it's just so fleeting. It's so quick um, that it doesn't really land in the same way as that Suri moment, which was really dwelled on. And Mm -hmm. so you get that. And then 
we go into and sh- and she's going to vote Bruce out. And she's going to finally get this thing she's wanted since the very beginning of the game. And so it, it could have been like a very triumphant episode for Katura, but I feel like they have put her a little bit on the back burner in terms of the editing for some reason. So when this comes up at the sanctuary and the challenge, like that story's not fully fleshed out by mm-hmm. that point. Also just odd of Jeff to encourage Katora to get off the platform not in the water. You would think like from Jeff's perspective, it's like you gotta you gotta get in the water, but like we have people on the side here, you just gotta swim to the dock, and then all of a sudden Jeff's like, Well, if you wanna step down, you don't even have to get in the water. And it's like, isn't the whole point of this challenge that like no matter what, even if you win, you get dunked in the water. It's just a matter of when. I don't know. I thought that yeah, was Yeah, I, I didn't mind that. I, I actually really liked that. I'm not saying that. I minded it. I just thought yeah. it was unusual. It was for sure unusual, but it, it was a little moment of humanity from Jeff. And I feel like that's when, I feel like Jeff had that happen. And then she went and sat on the bench. And like, that was just a moment where Jeff was like being dad. And he was like, okay, you don't have to get in the water. Like, just just crawl over and like, we'll, we'll get you. Like, Emily will come collect you. And then she's sitting on the bench and Jeff's just stewing like, shit, we didn't get the water moment. How am I going to get this water mm-hmm. moment? So then by the time the challenge ends, he's like, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to push you in the water. Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like to me. Should we talk about the sanctuary visit? Is there anything else we need to talk about there? Well, oh, here's what I want to talk about. Last week was Thanksgiving, and the reward they got was a chicken. This week, they got a full Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that was like accidental or just like, I, sure, I, I feel like they wanted this to air at Thanksgiving. It doesn't matter, but. Well, is there any? <laughs> no, because there's no, nothing outside. Of, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So no, don't know. Thought it was hot though. But much better than the chicken with no utensils last week. I'll tell you that. I saw some memeable moments in this sanctuary visit. Because we get sort of almost like a full circle moment here between Mike White and Emily, where she's doing confessionals with the glass of wine. Um, She won't let that glass of wine go. It's surgically attached to her hand. And I really loved this stuff. Like this is why I'm, this is partially why I'm giving Emily a star here is that like, she's going to the sanctuary and this like normal Emily is coming out. Not that she hasn't been normal, but it's like, you know, I, I, we, I've always wondered, like, what is Emily like in real life? In the beginning of the game, she was, like, very aloof and strange and people weren't, or, or like, abrasive. Um, and then she just kind of, like, petered out and became a little bit of a game bot, which is why she felt a starless uh, on our podcast. But here, it's like, oh, she got a little wine in her and she's, like, having a little fun. And I just loved that she's sitting in the confessional, like, and it's like she has one sip of wine and it's like, maybe I'm going to get married. I like that from Emily. <laughs> and uh, Julie's letters, Dee's letters. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's all great, but I, I would love a visit from, you know, family members. I think the letters are played out. Yeah, we're done with the letters. Like, I know we're down bad when it comes to budget, but maybe we could, <laughs> you know, spare a family visit. I also think it's, like, odd how, like, little d was in this episode given how much it seemed that she was rising in these past few weeks i again 90 minutes but we still have this inability to really like balance the storytelling we got nothing from d not only that i was like during the girls day out i was like do d and katoic did they have a relationship obviously not when it comes to like strategically but like are they friendly like i had no sense of where d and katora are in this game or even really d and emily um As I say a lot on the show, you have to imagine when you're on this island, you have conversations with everybody Mm -hmm. about the possibility of working together. Mm -hmm. And I'm just sort of confused. You know, I naturally, my thought was like, oh, the four women are going to be together. They're going to talk about a final four. That clearly wasn't the case, but it's like, there had to have at least been that like floated. Like, that's just what you do on Survivor. I don't know. So They did float that, didn't they? At this one? They were like, we can work together. Yeah. It didn't seem like it was a. I don't. That wasn't again. I only watched it once. I didn't. I don't yeah. remember that. But being like, like that's where Katora revealed the thing about Bruce's idol and like how he he was gonna tell everybody that it went that, home to Kelly. Yeah, but he actually my, still has it. And they were like, well, why don't we all just work together? But I don't think it was ever like 
believable to anybody. Yeah, it, that to me was more Katora saying, I don't need it to be us versus them. Like, I'm willing to work with you to get out right. Bruce. I didn't see that as a, like, it's okay. us against the world. But, right. but again, like, yeah. perhaps that was the case. And uh, there was I'm the comment less... of, like, a girl's gonna win Survivor 45. Yeah. But it wasn't, yeah, I don't, yeah, it was not, like, the four of us are going to the end. There yeah. will be three women at the end. And that's how a girl's going to win 45. Right. I will say on the surface, Emily choosing all women, fabulous move. Yeah. Really, really appreciated. Love the reactions, particularly Katora. And it's also actually fun to see when someone very unexpected is put in the mix. I am less interested in talking about Girls' Day Out than I am in <laughs> Boys' Day In. Yeah. And I just want to say... So those listening know, if there's one uh -huh. thing I hate, it's uh -huh. nerds. I don't like, well, no, I don't like losers. I'm okay with nerds. I can, uh, yeah, I, I don't like, like Billy's losers. a bit of a nerd, no? Billy's a big nerd, and I like him a lot. Okay, um, good. So yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no, so losers. This was <laughs> some of the saddest behavior I've ever seen on television. <laughs> I, all four of these men need to bow their heads in such shame. But I will say the visual of Jake with those flippers on, walking towards the water, <laughs> burned in my brain. That is the shot. I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, you'll see it in the meme cap. So I know all the fans are gonna be like, Emily with the one in the confessional iconography. Maybe, but for me, it was Jake with those flippers. That was just... I can't, so, there's going to be four listeners out there snapping their fingers right now when I say that image to me embodied New Era Survivor. It crystallized this new era in a way, for better or for worse. That was the image. <laughs> what, in that like, in that he had no business to have flippers on ever in his I, life? I can't or? explain what it is. It's just a visual motif. When you see it, you okay. know. And I got to say, what's so funny, and this underlines sort of our jokes about like them casting nerds now, which is that like, you'd think it'd be like, when the guys are alone, like we just talk about like fucking chicks. No, yeah. when the guys <laughs> no. are alone, they talk about like action movies and fart. <laughs> and I was just like, that's not like when, when, when people think of like, Guys alone, it's locker room talk is usually yeah. the association. And it's just like, no, there's no locker room talk. It's sort of like, I'd love like some like nachos and I'd love to like talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Bacon is good, but it's not like the best. Direct quote. Direct quote. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, this was wild. This was like. Wild. This was wild. If like 16 year old me was shown just this segment out of context and was told it's Survivor, I wouldn't believe you. The music? The music. Kenny Loggins? I had to Shazam it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was like a truly wild experience. And like, just like, I felt like nobody in, the, like, I mean, we had Drew saying like, I've only observed this from the outside. I've only observed this kind of behavior. But I feel like, Having like reviewed the tapes, I think they've all only observed the bro out from the outside because I none of them like belonged here. No, but if not anybody only that, belonged, it's like... it was Bruce, like in terms of like broing out. But like even he isn't quite the type to bro out. Yes. So the idea that Drew's saying, I've never experienced this before, it's like my reaction is like, I feel like this is all you've experienced because you've never actually experienced growing out. <laughs> oh, because like this, this is your this idea not... of growing out because you've never even seen a bro out. No, but I'm saying it's like, well, yes, but yes, and yes, and it's like, <laughs> but then also like this idea of growing out is like not even growing out. I don't know. Yeah. It's all, yeah, yeah. it's all just, I don't know. It made, on the one hand, I, I have the ability to see it both ways where I'm like, you know, we have to applaud the editors for like, uh -huh. you know, going a little ham. But, you know, I'm going to make a comparison here. There's the newest episode of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. They're meant to have what is being like sort of like, you know, propped up as like a really iconic dinner party on Housewives is about to unfold. And it's okay. a cannabis dinner party, right? And okay. so it's like, okay, like this is going to really turn it. It's like all the women in a room together getting high, like come on now. So then the chef comes in the room and he's like, I'm going to dose you out. So I'm going to come around the room and I'm going to ask you how many doses you want, Okay. 
The max number from any of the ladies for their cannabis dinner is five milligrams, okay? That's the max we get. Dorit Kemsley asks for one milligram of THC in her dinner, which is just to say that, like, where these these women in their mind are like, I'm going to dinner tonight and I am getting high. It's a high dinner. I'm going to let my hair down. You know, the room might start to get a little dizzy. It's going to be funky. It's like, honey, no, 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 no. You need to like crank it up. That was what I felt in the scene where I was, just, I was just like, if we're doing boys night, like this ain't it. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, is it so this ain't it enough that it subverts and becomes yeah. iconic? I don't I think know. it might be. I think it might be. Like it's actually know. wild. And like when I was watching it, I was like, this is crazy. I don't like this, period. And of course, I didn't rewatch it, so I didn't, like, get to experience it again. And I wasn't excited to experience it again. But now, having talked through it, I am actually... I've. It's, like, I think it's iconic. I, I, and I want to watch it again. But there's a part of me that's, like, imagine this same scene on Pearl <laughs> Islands with, like, Savage, Austin, totally. uh, Rhino, Burton. like, an act... Or, like, even just thinking about, like, you know, heroes versus villains in it. And it's, like... Colby and James like there's just there's such an opportunity to like actually like experience growing out like in a homoerotic way and I say homoerotic <laughs> yeah. from the viewer perspective whereas yeah. like this was just like again it felt like March of the Penguins like led by Jake like that was my reaction <laughs> to this <laughs> wow I haven't gotten a laugh like that out of you in a while <laughs> I don't even know this Jake reference. And it's like, I almost don't even want to see it because the image I have in my head is better than what probably happened. Yeah. <laughs> but is, I, but so I can picture it in such cla- such crisp clarity. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, at least we had some iconography this episode. You don't have that every episode. You don't. <laughs> Okay, what else do we need to talk about here? Well, I guess my other question just like, do we, okay, actually, here's a question. Actually, Mm -hmm. if you are a straight male who listens to our podcast, first of all, (laughs) I need a way to identify them, but I want to know, like, do straight men around straight men is farting a tentpole of straight men hanging out together? And I ask this genuinely. That is is a great question. Is that a part of straight male culture? Um, So... What do we do? Let's let's think here. Is there? Can we do an emoji? Uh, well, yeah. So we can't just. So okay. So if you're a straight man, and farting is a tent pole. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like culture, where you're going. Then you leave the farting emoji. Okay. Uh-huh. So the the wind blowing out. Wait, but don't we need? We need them to identify no matter what. So why? How? How about it's the fart thumbs up or fart thumbs down? The wind oh, thumbs up, wind yes, thumbs down. Yes, ah, yes. Oh, I see the... Th- <laughs> Did you see that? It's the new Mac update. We're, uh, you know, the <laughs> nobody can see this. Yeah. <laughs> but we got a thumbs up on the screen. <laughs> Riverside uh, is like, we agree. Riverside is pro, is pro farting. No, Riverside but like, please identify straight. yourselves. And then we will come back next week and we can circle back. We'll lead next week's episode by just, you know, this data collection. But if you're, but if you're not a man... And you're not straight. You have a different emoji this episode. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that is. but Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. So stay tuned. A lot of instructions for your participation in this podcast this week. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to talk about was this blow up between Jake and Drew. Uh, where Jake is going back to Drew and being like, well, I hear that you're putting my name out as the, you know, the secondary vote who's probably going to go home because because Bruce is going to play his idol. Like, how dare you do that? And, and you know, Drew says, like, where'd you hear that from? And Jake won't tell him. And then it's like, I feel like Drew calls Jake a mobster because he has a Boston accent. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing? Like, is there an association between the mob and Boston? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like we had we had those comments about Boston Rob too, right? Yeah, but then it's also like if you're from the Bronx, there's that. Yeah. As, it's like that's not. That's more so what I think about. Yeah, yeah. me too. Um, 
But I suppose okay. I I want to I want to say doesn't like the Departed take place in <gasps> Boston? Oh, very well could. Like <laughs> I haven't seen it in a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Decent movie. I know it's actually really good. Maybe I'll watch it after this. Uh, what if they remade? Yeah, the film the takes Departed. place in Boston. What if they remade The Departed, but it stars Jake and he's wearing flippers through the whole movie? Academy Award. Um. Close, maybe in contention. Gotham Award. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I felt like uh, I don't. If I feel bad for Jake a little bit because he is, I feel like even more so, just like totally on, like has nothing going on, uh, more so than Katora even, and I don't know how he's going to get out of this. But is this something where like Jake is going home next week? Or is this something where Jake goes to the end? That's what I'm confused about. And that's what I'm confused about with the Reba Force game at this point. Because they can't all be thinking we're going to the end as yeah. four. I, I would just be so surprised. There's too many variables in there for them in terms of like who could come out as the winner in a final three that's all made up of three members of the Reba Four. Mm-hmm. So they have to be thinking at this point, especially now that Bruce is gone, which combination of people do I want to go to the end with? And it seems to me, if I were Drew, I'd be like, Jake is a great person to go to the end with. Mm-hmm. And yet all we're seeing is them butting heads in like such a real way. Yeah, I, I wanted it, it, like it got to like a four. I needed it to like a seven at minimum, but like- oh, I, at Four to 10? Yeah. I think it was a little higher, but okay. Yeah. I just like I I I keep like when I I'm gonna reference uh, 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 I'm gonna reference um who is our girl in season two um Australia who snaps like the big the first big fight on the show oh Alicia yeah I needed it to go to like an Alicia who is she fighting with in that Alicia moment Alicia and Kimmy Kimmy yeah I will like, always wave my finger in your face yeah like I felt like that's what I'm craving and obviously well, we didn't get there the, this is the thing coming back to the bro out it's like these guys Jake like the the theater major and Drew the nerd yeah like they haven't had this kind of, this is yeah, probably yeah, yeah, yeah. their first experience with conflict like they probably <laughs> both walked away from this and cried <laughs> Oh yeah, they're shaking. They're shaking. And yeah, <laughs> they called medical in. Yeah, they're like they're having. They're like a I don't know what's happening to my body. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, yeah. I think we need to wrap it. Okay. But why don't we close out with the game of Star versus Starless? Okay, but before we do that, can we give an emoji to the non-straight men? Yeah. <sighs> Are there flippers? No, there can't be flippers. I was going to say, should we just do wine for Emily? Yeah. A little predictable. Well, I don't think the emoji is like, <laughs> supposed to be like, <laughs> you didn't guess, but. I do have to say also, speaking of the flippers, like credit where credit's due, we've been asking for a fishing scene all season long. We finally uh-huh. got one. And I did think it was, there was like a funny juxtaposition where Austin's confessional was like, it's just so amazing to be out and appreciating nature. And it's like with him, like spearing little fishes, beautiful little fishes. Not only that, but like, it's always so weird to me when they do these like montages where it's just like, what have what have you been doing the last you know eighteen days? Like, is this like you woke up this morning and you're like, wow, it's just beautiful being here on the beaches of Fiji? Um, well, okay, yeah, they probably all had to figure out how to use the equipment because they're nerds. Mm-hmm. We don't have okay. flippers, but actually, there's a great. I think this is a new emoji. It's a it's a snorkel and goggles. Let's do that. It's actually okay. beautiful. Oh okay, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I like the asymmetry. Yeah. It's in the sports um, section. Okay, pack your bags. Are you ready to go? Yeah. Okay. First up, we've got Bruce. Star. Starless. Jake. Mm. Star. Star. Katora. Starless. Starless Rising. Starless Rising. Starless Rising. Okay. Yeah, safe place to land. Austin. Starless. Why do you sound surprised? Well, because... I don't know, because uh, okay. because he's Starless. been a star for so much of the season, but they Wait, like he what? barely had a shirt off this episode. When was he a star this season? Are you joking? No, we gave I him stars, like he... stars. We gave him stars across the board. I haven't. Times. I haven't. Yes, you have. You gave I him made... a star like 
last week or the week before. No, I didn't. Roll the tape. You did. Okay. D. Starless. Starless. Drew. Star. Starless. Julie. Star. Starless Rising. Yeah. Emily. Star. Star. Did I get everyone? Yeah. Uh, Jake. Yeah, got everyone. Yeah, yeah, you did. Okay. Brandon. I had a lot of stars to give out. I felt like, I felt like, uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, I chose positivity. I chose the light. Yeah, you definitely chose something. We chose something. Okay. All right. With that, we are headed over to Patreon for the after show. So if you're not... Which, let's what? we let's kick... I mean, just a little tease. Let's talk about our Jeff Probst interaction this week. We will be talking about... We're getting closer. Closer, We're closer, getting a closer. lot. We're inching our way towards And you know Jeff. what? Let's be honest. I think we got some iconography. Did we? I mean, we got Jeff Probst to acknowledge seasons one through ten of Survivor. I think that is uh, a yeah. rare accomplishment. I know. And, okay, well, we're saving it for the after show. Sorry, but I'm just going to say, well, we'll save it for the after show, but I just want to say, this is a teaser or whatever. I'm going to give myself a star for the fact that there's a version of the question in which I could have said, which old school challenge? Totally. But my framework was specific enough to say, no, no, Jeff, yeah. we're going back to the beginning. Because when, oh, okay, I'm saving it for the after okay, show. Save it, there's save more it, to save it. Okay, more to say, but we are headed over to the after show. If you're not a patron and you want wow. to hear. If, if that's not a tease. <laughs> if you want, if you need to hear this, then you can head to our Patreon. The link to that is in the show notes of this episode. We are doing a weekly after show there. We've also done recaps of old seasons. So lots it, of content over there. Is it fair to say, have we doubled our Patreon? Since 45? Yeah. We've like tripled it. Okay. So I'm just saying, not for nothing, if you're not listening, like you are getting only half the story. Like we do like things are, yeah. And then once you subscribe to the Patreon, you get access to the close friends page where we can talk about shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. I did have to stop myself a few times this week because I'm like, sometimes like, oh, it's the Patreon. Like I can like say whatever. I'm like, Evan, like, I think you often often get it. Yeah. Ever, ever since we started the Patreon, I think every time we record, you think we're on the Patreon. Yeah. Um, but you're usually good enough to be like, wait, are we on the Patreon? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it becomes very obvious that you were going to say something negative about whoever you were just talking yeah, about. Yeah, but, but sometimes okay. I'm like wanting to dunk on someone who like <laughs> we more or less like. And then I'm like, mm, I, but again, in my head, it's like, this is a sign of endear- endearment for me. You don't, like, yeah, you don't want it to come off the wrong way. I mean, look, look what happened with Kelly and D. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, actually, wait, last thing. Let I want to talk about that photo I sent you on the after show, too. Of that watch okay. party. Yeah, okay, well. With that, perfect. with that. All right, yes, we will do that. Uh, so, yes, go check out our Patreon. Um, leave your snorkel, or if you're a straight man, your farts, thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, on the meme cap this week over on Instagram at DropYourBuffsPod. And we are also on Twitter at DropBuffsPod. With that, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week for episode 11. Bye. Bye.